Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We are in week three of our study in the Advent season, and we're in Psalm 126 with the message from Pastor Joel, Joy. We're on week three of Advent, uh, focusing on the Psalm 126. Oh, that we could make our way home with shouts of joy from wherever you are today. So I want to pray one once again. Lord, as we approach your word, the psalms that have been sung and resung and resung by people who are experiencing what it's like to live a life that's even better than a dream, uh, that feel that, boy, the fullness and completeness and purpose that they have in you, they're experiencing it, along with those who are full of sorrow. So Lord, I pray that as we come to this psalm this morning, that you would, you would allow us to uh, make our way home with shouts of joy. That you would teach us through even our emotions of how that would lead us to you. Well, as we spend a few minutes uh, here preparing for uh, the advent of you coming as a little child, that uh, we would find ourselves close to your heart this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes so we could see, open our ears we could hear, and soften our hearts so we'd understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you know what? That apple? Man. Uh, this is, uh, yeah. This will be for later, but it's important, and it's kind of making the point already uh, for me. On July 29th, 2006, Amy and I were sitting in uh, a hospital on a bench in the middle of Kran, Slovenia. Uh, if you can picture what a hospital looks like in Eastern Europe, it's probably exactly what you're picturing. It's a huge concrete building, uh, just industrial, uh, getting lots of people in and out. And normally on, uh, you're in that hospital, uh, that hallway where we were was, is normally crowded with people. Uh, the doors would swing open to different offices and a nurse would stick her hand out, literally stick her hand out, and people would fight to get them her papers because whatever papers she picked, those were the order in which you went. So there were no appointments. It was like chaos. The door would swing open a little bit. Everyone would be fighting to get the papers. And we didn't have papers, so that made a whole different story. But on that day, when we were sitting there in that hospital room, uh, in that hospital hallway, on that bench, there was hardly anyone there because it was a Saturday. Uh, Amy was nine months pregnant. Uh, we had gone in to see our doctor, and he had recommended us that Amy be induced that day. And so we were sitting on that hallway, and we were praying. Lord, we've waited years, months. Is, is today the day? Do you, do you want us to be induced, to, like me, Amy, induced today? Uh, and we had peace in our heart after we prayed. And so they accepted Amy, admitted her. At about 1.30, they started the whole process. And at 7, uh, 17, uh, 
Abigail was born. Uh, we paid the extra $25 to get a private room, in case you're wondering, if in Eastern Europe, if she get a private room, 25 bucks, great deal. Uh, <laughs> so we had a private room, and I was able to hold my daughter for the very first time. And if you're a parent, you know what that's like. Uh, especially I'm with the dads, holding your little girl for the first time that you've been waiting for. That you, you haven't experienced any of really the pregnancy, but you're holding your your daughter for the first time. It felt like a dream. Like, is this real? It, it also felt the responsibility of that. Like, I, I have to keep this kid alive. Like, I hope I don't like kill it. But I also, at the same time, I just loved. I just loved her. I would do anything for her. Like, I, I just dancing with her, even in that room, to music. It was was just a memory that I have. I was so full of joy. They also say that, that kids are calmed by the heartbeat uh, of a parent. So you lay them on the chest. You've probably heard that before. And so I don't know how many times when our kids were small, I would, I would take a little nap and put them on my chest, and they would hear my heartbeat. And I think if they listened close, they could hear uh, a father's heartbeat or a mother's heartbeat that, that would say things like, I love you. I care for you. I want the very best for you. I, I want your life to be happy. I want you to find joy the heartbeat of the father for the joy of their children. Well, joy is the focus of uh, this week in Advent. Joy, joy, small word, but it's actually a very complex feeling, emotions, and meanings. Uh, I think we've all probably say, yeah, I've experienced joy, and if I ask you to define it, you, you might have a hard time. At least I, I did. I do still. What, what is joy? It's hard, to, it's hard to define, but it's also hard to hold on to. It feels like it's so uh, elusive uh, sometimes. So, so let me give you a definition. Just present this definition to you that, that we can kind of work through as we go through uh, the message today. Um, it's this. Joy is the powerful emotion you feel in, in those moments when your soul is moved by the heartbeat of God for your pleasure and delight. That's a little word, <laughs> but it actually could be much bigger than that. Let me, let me say it again. Joy is the powerful emotion you feel in the moments when your soul is moved by the heartbeat of God the Father for your pleasure and delight. It's something you feel deep down in your soul. It, it may not be in your, in your body. Your body might be having a difficult time, but something deep down, this non-material part of you, uh, knows that the things are right and good and full this joy, we know from the Bible, is produced by the Spirit and comes from the heart of the Father. Joy is found when we draw near to the heartbeat of our Father through Jesus. Just listen to what Jesus said in John 15. John 15, 7. It says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit, which is by the by the Spirit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. 
as you draw near to Jesus. It's the only way you can truly experience lasting joy. Joy comes through abiding in Jesus, being moved deep down by the heartbeat of God for your pleasure and delight. It's this emotion deep down that moves you as you hear the heartbeat of the Father. Very nice, very out there. But if you're honest this morning, if you're honest, even though we sing lots of songs that say joy in them at this season, uh, joy may feel very far from you. Maybe you think joy feels more like a delusion that we kind of trick ourselves into uh, to keep ourselves from being as miserable as we could. Maybe more like a self-help tool that you have to choose to think about. So you don't think about just the difficulties of going to school on Monday and Tuesday when everyone else is out of school, or the health issues, or your work problems. Maybe, maybe you don't feel much of anything inside. How do you have true and lasting joy? Well, I'm going to spend a few minutes. I want to go back to Psalm 126, and I want to go on this journey of joy. And as we go through this journey of joy through 126, uh, we're going to pause in two places. Now, the word joy or rejoice is found over 400 times in the Bible. So there's no way I can give a biblical, theological, theological uh, exploration of joy. So we're just going to narrow it down to this one uh, psalm. So I'm not going to say everything about joy, but I want to I want to spend some time just in Psalm 126, looking at the journey of joy. We'll, we'll pause in two places. Uh, it's divided very nicely uh, into we'll, we'll find joy and laughter in verses 1 through 3, and then we'll find joy in tears in verses 4 through 6. We'll find joy in our laughter, and we'll also find joy in our tears. So let's look. Joy and laughter, verses 1 through 3. Uh, Psalm 126 begins with this title, A Song of Ascents. It's part of a group of songs. Uh, Psalms 120 through 134 all compile the Psalm of Ascents. Uh, now, we don't have time, but at the beginning of the year, we looked at this progress and this uh, moving in the Psalms as we are looking for the king placed on the hill that we can rejoice in. And now in Psalm 120 to 134, we get these Psalms of Ascent. But they're also uh, Psalms that most people say uh, the Israelites would sing on their way up to uh, the temple as they're going to uh, worship. Psalm 126, a Psalm of Ascent. Verse 1. Now when the Lord, that's his name Yahweh, restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. I think he wants us to pause right there. Even in the Hebrew, there's this little geeky thing at the end of it that says, it's like a pause marker. We were like those who dream. Inviting us into imagine. Get get lost in your thoughts. We were like those who dream. Verse 2, then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord, Yahweh, has done great things for us. We are glad. In those moments, you experience the peace and the hope that we've talked about the last two weeks. And there's something that moves you deep down inside to respond with laughter and singing songs of joy. You're, once you were um, messed up, and now something is right, and it feels, it feels right. It feels complete in that. 
It's better than you can believe. I didn't think we could be here, but here we are. Isn't this amazing? Now, most likely this psalm was written, most commentaries believe, uh, after the return from uh, Israel and Babylon, from captivity in Babylon. Uh, Jeremiah had predicted, hey, 70 years you're going to be there, and then the Lord's going to bring you back. The reason they were there in captivity is because they had utterly messed up. I mean, they had really uh, rebelled and gone away from the Lord. The temple was full of idolatry and evil and wicked things, and the Lord kept reminding them through the prophets. So finally, they're carried off in to exile because they were, they were so bad. They were not doing right. And for 70 years, they're there as uh, foreigners, immigrants in a strange land. They had messed up, but now they were being forgiven and they're on their way home again. They were, they were coming home. They were free. Like just, just this decree from Cyrus to go back home. And they're like, is it really happening? Are we really able to go back? The, the home, the stories that we've told our kids of and our grandkids of so long, and now we're going to actually be able to experience it and see it. And so they start packing their things, and they start leaving to go back to home. And you can just imagine the joy on their faces and the songs and the shouts of, of joy. And as they pass by people, people are like, man, God must have done something really special for them. Look at them. They're... They're full of joy. There's something, there's laughter on their face. There's songs in the air. People are watching this and going, the Lord has indeed done something good for them. Uh, Just like I'm sure in a similar way that people would have said that uh, around me in Autzen Stadium a couple weeks ago uh, at the Civil War game. You see... uh, on a Friday morning, we were gotten word that somebody had two tickets to uh, the Civil War game and if we'd like to go. Now, I've never been to a, a game here in uh, Oregon, a college game, so I've never been to this stadium or anything, and I was kind of like, well, yeah, maybe if I can find somebody to go with, I'll, I'll go. And asking lots of people, and everyone's busy because it's the, it's the same day, uh, and Finally, uh, no, 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 and I'm like, well, if I can't find anybody, I'll just pass on the offer. That's nice of them to offer, but that's, a, that's okay. When Rob Hilsentager said, yeah, I'd love to go with you, and so we got in the car on Friday uh, and made our way down to Eugene, um, past Woodburn Mall, which was backed up for miles because it was good for or Black Friday, all the shopping. So we're like hours in the car getting getting there, we get to the stadium with, I think like 10 minutes before kickoff time gets in there. Uh, a whole bunch of other stuff happened. We finally get in, in the stadium, and it's really the first time I looked at our tickets. And I'd say, oh, we're in section 37. So I go in section 37. If you've ever been there, it's split in half. We go in section 37, and I go up to the upper section, assuming that's where our tickets were. And I'm looking, and it's, a, it's crazy. It's a sea of crazy. And no one's like, oh, can I help you find your seat? Like, everyone is just like, we're about to kick off. Everything is going. I'm looking for our seats, and I can't find it. And Rob, poor Rob, doesn't have the, the ticket, so he's waiting on me, like, probably thinking, what an idiot. Like, just look at the numbers. Uh, <laughs> so I finally, like, stop somebody in the middle again, because we came all the way back down. Look in the middle again. And I'm look, looking, we're looking for our tickets. And he goes, oh, you're down there in that section, the section below. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So we start walking down this section, and the numbers we get to, we're down, 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 all the way to the second row. Right, so you're already feeling some of the joy that we had. 
I, every, every step we're taking, my smile is getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> as I'm like, is this a joke? Like, it's, I, I even told Rob, I feel like someone's gonna like kick us out of here. Like, what are we do? What are we doing? And then we get down there, and we're literally second row, and I'm sitting there going like, in my in my head, I was thinking way up there, and now we're down here. I didn't pay for these tickets; they were a gift to me. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around, going, "Do you believe these tickets? <laughs> this is incredible!" It's, so this is right when Rob and I get down there. We just walk down and we turn around and both of us are taking pictures because we're like, this is awesome. Like, and we're telling to the people next to us, do you believe these seats? <laughs> and they got to be like, yeah, we have season tickets or whatever. <laughs> like, but for us, the, they must have seen, man, somebody must have done something really nice to them. There, there was this joy in, in, in me that I was experiencing. It was this, this movement. I couldn't help but smile and laugh. And then when the third, uh, the third quarter came along and everyone's singing, you know what I was doing? Singing right along with them because I don't even know. It's just fun. It was just the joy. You can feel it. Now, in much the similar way, but a more profound way, Israel was living the dream. They were slaves. They were living under the judgment of God, and now they were released. Is this for real? And can it really be? So, so the laughter, the songs, this movement in their soul, it can't help but come out. And some would say in worship, but for them it was singing songs of joy and delight, the smile on their face, the laughter. And as they're leaving uh, Babylon, I, I, I can't help but wonder, those Babylonians must have going, man, look at that. What's different about them? Like, there's something going on. God's goodness is witnessed through what's moving in their souls, this joy. Now, that person who gave us uh, the tickets to the Civil War game, the last thing in the world they'd want us to do is go down there and sit and complain. It's really cold. Why didn't we get the first row? (laughs) Right? I can't believe how long we had to wait in to traffic. Hours we sat there. We had to park so far away. We should leave early. It's going to be a lot of traffic. Can you imagine? Like, the person who gave us those tickets was like, they wanted us to feel that joy that we had. Enjoy every moment. Embrace the moment that we had. Laugh. Get a hot dog. Enjoy the game. Those sweet moments of, uh, of these emotions that move that move us to the heartbeat of who God is. And, and if you're close enough, you can hear him whisper, I see you. I care about you. You're not forgotten. And you respond in, in worship. And, and if that's where you're at today, I say, that's awesome. Embrace it. L- love it. Spill it out to everyone to see. Just enjoy Embrace it and enjoy. That's what the Father wants you to do. He wants you to have this joy. And we love to live there. That's the place. It's so fun to be there. But then one day you wake up and it feels like the joy is a little further away. There's a problem or some news you hear. There's a struggle. There's a relationship strife. And all of a sudden it feels like joy was once right there moving you. It feels cold and not even there at all. You go from living the dream 
to now you're just holding back tears. That's kind of life, right? So how do you find joy through the tears? Those Israelites who were uh, freed from captive are returning, but somewhere along the way they, they wake up and they realize, man, this is tough. There's something happens and that brings them to tears. I mean, I'm actually going to say, it's not unlike the Christian life, is it? When you first come to Christ and you're forgiven and set free, you, you get that glow on your face. You're like, ah, I can't believe this is real. I mean, I was so bad before and God forgave me. And I'm part of this community of people that seem like, man, you all seem wonderful. Like, everyone is so good. And, and then something changes. Something hits. And you're left fighting back the tears. So let's look as this psalm helps us navigate finding joy in the tears. Verse 4, Psalm 126, verse 4, says, Restore our fortunes, O Yahweh, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, they, they went from the first part of the Psalms, like we were like those who were dreaming. Like we're living the dream. This is incredible. Life is good. We're laughing. And now we find the psalmist in the desert. And he guides us to the Lord through your tears. Uh, the psalm, if you spend some time there, you'll notice it's actually uh, in two parts, and it, it flows very well. It, it, it uh, reflects each other. It begins with, he restored. The, the literal word is, he turned. Uh, he, he turned, he restored. And then it gives us an illustration, uh, like those who dream. He restored like those who dream, and goes on in a few other words. And now in the second part, it, once again, they're asking, hey, would you restore again? Or would you turn again? And then he gives another illustration or simile, like, like streams in the Negev. He restored like those who, we were like those who dream, restore again like the streams in the Negev. Now the Negev, in case you don't know your uh, Israel geography, the Negev is this large desert in the, in the south on your way down to uh, Egypt. The Negev is dry, brutal rocks, nothing's there. It is, it is a brutal land. There's no life there. But yet, underneath all of that are these seeds that lie dormant. Because uh, like once a year, if, if the later rains come, uh, it'll wash through this area. And when it washes through, it gives that, the, the energy, the life to those seeds underground. And then all of a sudden, this land in the desert will, will shoot forth in like beautiful flowers and grass uh, and, and teams of life because the rains have come. The psalmist is like, restore us again like the streams of the, of the Negev. Bring life to us, what feels dry and barren and empty. Bring joy again to those places. He says, those who sow in tears will reap shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears will read shouts of joy. And he goes on and gives this uh, word picture, this illustration uh, that he has. And there's, there's several different ways you could take it. So commentators are uh, kind of all over the place, but you'll see it's, it's really one image, just kind of how it plays out. 
like, like those who go out in the desert and sow, uh, sowed seed, um, those, those seed could actually be the tears or it could be something else. It could be instead of going out and sowing like a farmer with a bag and seeds, that there are people just walking in the desert and the seeds that are just going from their eyes are what's watering the ground as they go. Uh, or it could be that they actually are planting seed as they go along, but as they're bending down to plant the seeds, that there's tears that are dropping down, and it's what gives life to the, the seeds uh, below it. But So either way, you have it. Uh, the big idea is that you have somebody going out into the desert with tears. They're, they're crying. They're going out in the, in the desert with those tears. They're going out there. They're releasing pain and frustration, the sorrow, the hurt. And they're turning around and they're coming home with shouts of joy. And it says like sheaves of grain. It's like they're going out planting something and they're, and they're reaping something to bring, to bring home. And they're going out with this sorrow and tears and they're coming back with, with joy. They're entering the, the desert with their uh, burdens but in that desert place, they release them there and are able to have this harvest of, of joy. They're, they're turning from the emptiness and the dryness and they're turning to the Father to receive the joy that he has. And in the psalm, in this picture, it's not a one-to-one. -one. It's not like you don't plant one little seed and then get one little seed of joy back. Uh, you plant a seed, you, you bury it, you release it, and then the, the harvest comes up. And so you're coming back with like, sheaves of joy, like this harvest of joy. You, you, you release that pain and that sorrow, and what you get in the end is an, an abundance, an overflow of joy. Into the desert with tears to return full of joy. And that's actually the journey of joy. It's this back and forth. It's this embracing those moments that like are powerful emotions inside that bring you to laughter and songs of joy. But it's also going in the desert and releasing and feeling those powerful emotions that bring up uh, tears and sorrow and pain. It's letting go of the pain and embracing the harvest of joy. And if you also think about it, we don't want to put this illustration too much, but uh, there's several other guys that I'll, I'll comment on that... that that have kind of brought some different things to light in this psalm as well. It's not that the farmer goes, hey, I love the harvest time. That's a time of joy. I love it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I don't want to go out and do all that sowing. That's a lot of work. Uh, so I'm just going to keep my seed in the barn and wait till harvest time. And then I'll, and you know, like, well, no, you can't do that. You have to actually go out and sow the seed in order to reap a harvest. And, or the farmer goes, okay, fine, I got to go uh, plant the seed. I'm just going to dump it all in a pile right here in the corner of my field and then call it good. No, it has to be, there's some intention, there's some purpose, there's some strategy and wisdom in how he uh, sows the seed. He, he sows it with a purpose for intention. And I, I think that can also be translated into the psalm, so too with our tears. Uh, we don't hold them. And we also just don't dump them out. We sow our tears in the desert. Uh, the late Tim Keller, loved the guy, uh, learned a lot from him, uh, even as he walked through some very difficult times in the last couple years. Uh, he spent a lot of time on this psalm and said, don't waste your sorrows. That's, that's the sermon he gave. Don't waste your sorrows on this. 
He, he talked about sowing your uh, tears as, as praying to the Lord. So going in the desert and praying your tears to the Lord, to give them to the Lord so that we don't just uh, weep for nothing. We, we weep and release to the Lord knowing that he will give us a harvest of joy. Being purposeful with our sorrow and our tears to sow them. In Psalm 20, 126, it brings us uh, back and forth on this journey of joy. This both embracing those moments that are, that are great and then also releasing uh, the pain and the sorrow and, and the hurt. So I want to give you uh, one more illustration. This is more practical. Um, and I've, I've actually shared this with a lot of you because it, 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 it ruminates with me as well. Uh, in the crisis and trauma world, um, this is an illustration that they, they often use as well. So let's, you're just sitting in a trauma class now for the next few minutes. It's called eating uh, an apple, and eating an apple. Uh, so when you go through a powerful event, uh, and, it, and it does something to you, it moves you in, in some way. Uh, in trauma, they say it's like you've been given an apple to eat. Uh, now that apple it represents all those, like, those powerful emotions that are, are moving in, inside of you and that you don't quite know what to do with. And so most people who are given an apple to eat in those crisis and trauma situations, they're like, yeah, I'd rather not. No, thank you. I'm just going to put it in my pocket. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it there because I don't want to deal with it. And time will go by and everything will be fine. Well, if you see me in about two or three weeks and I still have an apple in my pocket, what's, what's, what's the apple going to be looking like? Oh, it's going to be something, right? <laughs> And, and then that, that event, or that trauma, those emotions that you've been, you were feeling, uh, all of a sudden other people start, Ryan comes next to me and he goes, something's smelling a little bit here. <laughs> Joel, maybe there's something you need to, to deal with uh, in that. Maybe, maybe there's something inside of you that you, sh you, you need to navigate through. And so I go, okay, fine, just forget it. I've had the, held this long enough. I actually have a couple more apples in my pockets. I've held this long enough. I'm just going to eat it. And so what I do is I attempt to take that whole apple and shove it in my mouth and swallow it, which uh, you can't swallow an apple. I don't know if that's news to you. You can't do it. Uh, if, if you do it, then, then you, do, like, you, you would choke on the apple. And that's actually what, uh, in the Trump world, they call choking on the apple. Uh, so like, oh, he's choking on the apple. He's trying to digest these powerful emotions in just one, one sitting, just plop them all down. Now, it would be like, if I, put the, if I put that seed in my pocket, it would be like the farmer who goes, I'm just going to put the seed in the barn, and I don't wanna, I'm not going to do anything with it. Uh, if you're choking on the apple, it's like the farmer who goes out and just dumps all the seed in, in the garden and goes, we'll just wait and see what happens. But instead, the best way to eat an apple is a bite at a time, just one bite at a time. The best way to sow a, a garden is just a seed at a time. Uh, not to hold it back and go, hey, we're a Christian, so we don't feel any sorrow, and everything should be just great and fine, so we come to church and we don't cry because we're people of joy, and so we're going to all be joyful. Uh, but actually, in this psalm, it teaches us that joy sometimes is actually the release of those tears, uh, to take a, a bite of it. And, and of all places, you should be able to take a bite of that apple. It should be with the people here. Uh, 
uh, with the Lord. Because if you're holding on to those things, you're, you're actually distanced from the Father's love and His heartbeat. We don't want to eat it, so we, we guard the seed or we choke on the apple. We dump it all out when really all we need to do is we need to turn to the heart of the Father. You know, on July 29th, 2006, I held my little girl for the first time, and I was experiencing a harvest of joy. Uh, we actually named her Abigail Joy. Abigail means father's delight. So father's delight, joy. But for years, we, te- we sowed tears of confusion, doubt, pain, frustration, with miscarriages and even health things along the way, we were having to learn to sow our tears to the Lord so that we could reap this harvest of joy, coming home with shouts of joy. It doesn't mean you get stuck in your pain and your sorrow. You're learning to release those to the Lord as seeds and receiving and embracing the good things that he has for you. So let me ask you this morning, where, where are you at? And you might find yourself a foot in both worlds. There, there are things that you're just like, man, this is better than I could have even dreamed. And there's laughter and there's goodness. There's songs and shouts of joy and praise. And I just want to say, embrace it. Be people who are close to the Father's heart and experience the joy that he has for you. Tell other people about it. But maybe this morning, you need to take a walk into the desert. And you need to release some things. You need to take a bite of the apple. You need to share some tears with the Lord and even with friends. This journey journey of joy is both an embracing and releasing. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in 12, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Release it. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul says this in Romans 15, 13. It's a benediction at the end of the letter. He says, may the the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Joy is this uh, strong emotion, something inside of you that's just bringing up, that, that sometimes it's through laughter and sometimes it's through tears, but it draws us always back to the heart of the Father. Let's pray. Lord, would you be uh, among us, even as we all have apples to eat? Uh, Lord, would you allow us to be people who can sow our tears to you and to others who believe in you that we can be pointed back, we can be turned around to come back to the heart of the Father. Lord, so that we could experience uh, coming home with shouts of joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. 
Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.